Welcome to Medicare Connect Radio, sponsored by Millennium Physician Group. I'm Michelle McCormick. Every week, we're talking about healthcare issues that are important to you, whether you're 65 or older, approaching 65, or maybe you're just making healthcare decisions for a loved one who's in their golden years. We're inviting providers and experts to share insights to help you take control of your healthcare decisions. Well, getting older comes with a lot of aches and pains, but why? (laughs) Let's talk about that. In this episode, we're talking with a physician who is dedicated to eradicating our pains through treatment plans tailored to our needs. Sounds like something we all need. But first, Millennium Physician Group has quickly become the leading independent physician group with more than 800 healthcare providers across Florida and growing. Services center on primary care, but complemented by specialty care, walk-in centers, radiology and lab services, telehealth, wellness programs, home health, hospital care, and so much more. Nationally recognized as a consistently top-rated accountable care organization with high levels of physician engagement, Millennium aims to create a genuinely connected healthcare experience for patients, and we want to be your connection to a healthier life. Learn more at millenniumphysician.com. Well, why does everything hurt, like all the time, like your knees, your backs, your head? Well, from our heads to our toes, we all experience pain differently. And today we're going to learn about pain and some pain management. Our guest today is Dr. Barrick Berlioz from Riverside Pain Physicians. And I got your name right? Yes, yes, you did. All right. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Okay. Well, glad to be here. I'm very happy for you to be here. This is a great topic. All of our listeners mostly experience pain, I'm sure, in some form or another. But first, we want to learn all about you. What brought you to Jacksonville? Tell us about your journey. Okay, so I'm originally from New York City. I was born in the Bronx of two immigrant parents. We're both from Honduras. I didn't know I always wanted to do medicine, but I got to college at Nova Southeastern in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. All the way from New York. Yes, all the way from New York. You came super south. Exactly. And uh, I eventually proceeded to attend medical school at the University at Buffalo, did my residency at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida, and that's what really made me want to come back to Jacksonville after my fellowship in Dallas, Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah, I grew up in Dallas, so okay. yeah, I can see why you'd want to come here after, <laughs> yes, <laughs> after being there. Yes, yes. Concrete jungle versus beach. It's hectic. Super Absolutely. hectic. Good word. Um, so what led you into the path for pain management? Or well, what is what is it called? So I'm an anesthesiologist by training, and during my residency, I got exposure to patients in significant pain, especially after surgery. And I did a rotation in chronic pain, and I eventually found my passion for helping people out who were suffering. I think it's a field that everybody knows somebody who's dealing with some sort of chronic pain or some issue it can be debilitating and it's a big big issue in a country in our country and worldwide yeah absolutely it definitely is and um and i think we hear more and more about it with with addiction and stuff like that but um i think pain is something that can be managed at many different levels and we're going to talk about that but first of all pain what is it and and why? <laughs> so simply put, pain is a complicated disorder that is formally defined by involving an emotional, a physical, and a psychological aspect where there's some sort of displeasure as a result of damage or perceived damage. So pain in general involves the entire person as a whole and causes some sort of discomfort. Okay. So it, let's say I, the pain... I. I Stub my toe. And how does that like radiate from my toe to my brain? So if you stub your toe, there are nerve endings that are located in your feet that transmit these sensory receptors and these uh, electrical signals to your spinal cord. And then that goes up to the brain and 
at that level in the brain is where the emotional response or the psychological component of pain is perceived. For example, somebody can get bitten by a shark and sometimes they won't feel it or won't notice because there's an emotional context to pain. So it's not just a physical thing, but uh, it involves a lot of parts of the human body as well. So that that's interesting. I was going to ask about the people who don't feel any pain at all. You know, like if you burn your finger on a, on a candle or something, some people just don't even notice that. Yeah. So that involves um, the different levels of sensory perception. Basically, everybody perceives pain differently, and that's why you'll have some people that have surgery, they have operations, and afterwards, they'll be perfectly fine. And a certain subset of these patients go on to developing chronic pain over time, and that uh, lasts a long time. Mm-hmm. I remember my, my ex-husband um, had surgery, and they're like, they're like, oh, he's going to be knocked out for a while. You know, don't worry about it. Well, first of all, they, they couldn't even give him enough to, to get him, you know, they lo- ended up doing it locally. You know, they gave him like the local anesthesia or whatever. And then he never had any pain afterwards. Yeah. So that's, that's an incredible, and that's part of my field too, as an anesthesiologist, that's something called regional anesthesia. And essentially what you do is put local numbing medicine in an area where there's a nerve that supplies where they're operating on. And by making that nerve completely numb, you won't feel anything after. And certain types of surgeries allow you to do that. Yeah. Is that like where, um, like, is that a nerve blocker? It is a nerve block. Exactly. It is absolutely a nerve block. And that sort of plays into what I perform and what I do in the chronic pain world. There's certainly a relationship, but we can talk about that down the line. Yeah. I had knee surgery two years ago and it was a meniscus tear and, and the, orthopedic surgeon came in and he said, yeah, just give her a, a nerve blocker. And they, they, I mean, literally like felt like they were stabbing my, my thigh, but I mean, I had no, no pain. Like for as soon as the, you know, the pain from the surgery wore off, I was like, Oh, that guy's brilliant. Yeah. And that's really, really important. So I would encourage people listening to talk to their doctors about regional anesthesia. That's the name of that field. And the idea is by doing these sort of nerve blocks for people, we can reduce the amount of narcotics and opioids that people need in the post-operative setting. And furthermore, after surgery was one of the biggest factors that played into the opioid epidemic that we're currently facing. So okay. that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I did take one, like one codeine three or something that he gave me that night just <clears> to <throat> sleep. And then after that, I was like, all right, I can, this isn't yeah, so bad. Yeah. So that's the idea. And it's okay. completely reasonable to use these medicines when the pain is bad. Let's say you're having open heart surgery or a big deal where they're sawing into the chest or opening up your sternum or big orthopedic surgery. It's reasonable to take these medicines, but you definitely want to ask about everything you can do to optimize your recovery. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's, you touched on something. So let's define for the listeners acute pain and chronic pain because they're different. Okay. They are different. Exactly. So acute pain is defined as pain that's generally less than three months. So somebody gets surgery, we call it acute pain when they're in recovery, when you're in the hospital, and that lasts about three months. A subset of patients can develop chronic pain, and that's anything lasting longer than three months. There are a lot of different factors that can lead to chronic pain. Some of them are biological. Some of them can be related to the site of surgery performed, Mm -hmm. but uh, that's essentially the definition. So, okay, so anything after three months, really you should 
think about getting checked out. Absolutely. And there are a lot of preventative measures to prevent this transition from acute to chronic pain. And as we spoke about earlier, regional anesthesia is a good tool. There's some evidence that demonstrates that reducing somebody's level of pain during surgery can reduce the likelihood that they end up uh, transitioning to having chronic pain. So it's mm-hmm. really important. Well, okay. So my other knee, so I had surgery on my one knee two years ago, meniscus, and now my other knee is having some pain. I'm like, I think it's just muscular. I think it's just, you know, cause I'm, a, I can diagnose myself, right? A lot yeah, of, exactly. like a lot we of people, do. right? Dr. Google. Yeah, exactly. Which I try not to do, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm almost at the point where I'm like, yeah, I think it might be time to get this knee checked out. Um, you know, when is it because the pain has gotten, it's not something I want to deal with. My quality of life is down. Yeah. So there are a lot of different reasons. For example, you get one part of your body operated on. You could have something where there has been a problem developing in the other limb or the other body part that now you're noticing more because you had the main problem Mm. or the main thing that was causing you pain fixed. It's very interesting because there are certain conditions in chronic pain where you get a sensation from another part of your body that's not injured and that's called referred pain. And it plays a similar role. All right. All right. Well, keep that thought and stick around. Okay. Dr. Barrick Berrios. Now, see, now I messed it up, right? All right. It's All right. okay. It happens. Okay. Uh, Berlioz, Dr. Berlioz from Riverside Pain Physicians is our guest today. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation. We're going to touch into the most common pain. And I'm guessing it's not knees because we just had that whole conversation. So That's stick true. around. Medicare Connect Radio, sponsored by Millennium Physician Group, will be right back. Welcome back to Medicare Connect Radio, sponsored by Millennium Physician Group. I'm Michelle McCormick. Every week, we're talking about the healthcare issues that are important to you if you're 65 or older, approaching 65, or maybe you're just making healthcare decisions for a loved one in their golden years. We're inviting providers and experts to share insights with you to help you take control of your healthcare decisions. Well, getting older comes with a lot of aches and pains. In this episode, we're talking with a physician who is dedicated to eradicating our pains through treatment plans tailored to our needs. And our guest is Dr. Barrick Berlioz from Riverside Pain Physicians. Welcome back. Hello, thank you. Good to have you. All right, so in the first segment, I talked a lot about my knee pain, and uh, but you know where else I have issues, and my grandmother has issues, and my mother has issues, and everybody has everybody. back, yes. lower back. What is it? I mean, is it my, is it the way I bend over? Is it the way I pick things up? Let's talk about lower back pain because this has got to be the most common ailment you see. This is by far the most common ailment we see in chronic pain. And this is the primary reason that people visit primary care physicians in this country. So this is a big deal. We'll talk about this. I'll try to simplify Mm -hmm. what are the different causes and how you can manage your pain from start to finish. Great. Let's go there. All right. So I go see my primary care provider at Millennium Physician Group and I'm like, doc, I got crazy pain in my lower back. Um, It hurts when I walk, my hips feel out of line, hurts when I bend over, I ache when I wake up in the morning, which pick one. Okay. (laughs) So uh, first and foremost, most of the time when you go in and you see your physician for chronic back pain, this is usually an issue that you've been dealing with for quite some time. Everybody 
as they age, develop something called degenerative disc disease. That's just a fancy way to say wear and tear, essentially, of the spine. There are a couple of different components of the spine that can cause issues and cause you to have back pain. The discs can lose water, which they do as you age, and that's called spondylosis. That's just a fancy way to say degeneration of the spine. So if you see this on your MRI, it's very common, and it's nothing to worry about. Okay, so that's the, is that the cushioning around our bones? Exactly. That's the cushioning in between the vertebrae in your spine. And as we age, they tend to lose a certain percentage of their water content. And when they um, get thinner, what happens is the bones can rub on each other and the joints between your spinal bones can eventually wear out. And that's called facet arthritis. Okay. And is it, does that depend on the job that I'm doing or the movement that I'm making, or is this just something that we all can look forward to? So there are a couple of different things that can aggravate um, lots of heavy lifting, manual labor, and there are a lot of us involved, including myself. I wear lead on a daily basis, which is weighted, and eventually mm. that could lead to this kind of wear and tear or this arthropathy, as we say, um, over time. But one thing that you can do in general is to exercise, drink lots of water, start with the basics, mm -hmm. and then move on to treatments that we can discuss. Yeah, I mean, every physician you talk to, especially in primary care, will say movement. Exactly. Nutrition. Exactly, exactly. These are the most important yep. things. And we have a big problem um, in our country with uh, activity and or lack thereof. And there are a lot of things that we can do to prevent these kind of issues from developing before you have to see someone like me, a chronic pain physician. But if we get to that point, there are a lot of different opportunities to help out. Yeah, let's talk about some of those. So um, from primary care, we're referred to a chronic pain physician such as yourself. Mm -hmm. um, what are next steps? Okay, so first, uh, what you always want to do when you're being treated for low back pain is ensure that it's nothing serious. In pain management, there are a couple of things that are known as red flag symptoms for low back pain. If you have any severe weakness in your leg where you can't walk or suddenly one of your limbs goes out, then it's important to get some sort of imaging study in the most reasonable way to do this is to go to your local emergency department. Um, if you have any changes in your bowel or bladder function or any sort of extreme weird sensations that are associated with back pain, that's probably the safest thing to do. Um, once any emergency is ruled out, physical therapy is incredibly important prior to starting any uh, opioid medications or any procedures, which we'll talk about later. You always want to go to physical therapy early, take over-the-counter supplements like Tylenol, ibuprofen, lidocaine patches. These are all ideal situations. Mm -hmm. How do you know if it's muscular versus skeletal? Good question. So skeletal pain in the low back will classically present with pain in the middle of your back. It usually gets worse with worse with bending backwards and lifting things up because the lumbar vertebrae or the vertebrae at the uh, lowest section of your spine are responsible for bearing most of the weight. So you'll you'll classically see patients with arthropathy or um, skeletal pain get worse with leaning back and lifting things up. Now, if you have muscular pain, 
uh, uh, pain, this is classically, it presents with muscle knots, muscle tightening, spasms, and it's usually not located in the middle of your back. It may be on the side Mm -hmm. of your low back, and there are medications that can be specifically used to treat that. Yeah, I have like one of those Theragun things. And, uh, you know, okay, I just like use it and it, it oh, sometimes oh, yeah, feels yeah, better. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Okay, yeah. that little uh, thing that... Yeah, you know, um, I actually have one of those. And from what I've read, it's good in muscle recovery right. after working out, things like that. And yeah. I think it's completely reasonable. It's a non-invasive thing, and you always want to try to use things that, that are at some least invasive. Ibuprofen. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So always start with the basics. Yeah, and what about like a sciatica pain? Okay, this is good. So sciatica is commonly misrepresented in society, I agree. actually. Sciatica is a term that implies damage to the sciatic nerve, which is a nerve that's located in the lower part of your back that travels down the leg. The fact of the matter is that there could be a number of nerves starting from the L1 or the lumbar vertebrae all the way down to the sciatic nerves that go to your legs and are responsible for sensation there. So what does that mean? It could be any one of these nerves. You'll have numbness, tingling, possibly some weakness, but it shouldn't be a persistent kind of weakness like we spoke about earlier. And uh, that's essentially what we're talking about. That's characterized as a neuropathic pain or nerve pain. Okay. And then is that to be confused with like the SI joint? Uh, exactly. So I get this a lot of times too. <laughs> I mean, is it the same it, thing? It's they're not the same right. thing. Okay. They are absolutely not the same thing. So the SI joint or sacroiliac pain is an incredibly uh, common cause of low back pain that involves degeneration or wear and tear of the sacroiliac joint in your buttocks region. Okay. And the treatment for that is different than the treatment for something like a uh, sciatica like we spoke about. Okay. All right. So let's 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 talk about the treatments real, or actually, you know what? Before we go into treatment, let's mm-hmm. talk about age, the factor of age. So, um, a- as we age, you know, our pains seem to get a little bit worse. Absolutely. Um, how do you treat, you know, say a 65-year-old versus a 35-year-old? So there's a difference, you know, and low back pain can affect everybody. It affects people young and old, people who are employed as well get affected by this. The mainstay of difference is that in patients that are younger, it's usually an acute injury. You you see somebody lifting a heavy object or going to the gym or playing sports. As we age, everybody's going to get that wear and tear. As your discs get smaller and the bones rub on each other, the nerves can get compressed. So you have a multitude of factors that can be causing pain. And the first step to do or the first step to take is to diagnose the issue, usually with an MRI, and appropriately treat from there. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, we're going to talk about treatments in the next segment, so you're going to stick around. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, okay. All right, Dr. Barrick Berlioz from Riverside Pain Physicians is our guest today. And coming up, we're going to continue our conversation about treatment of some lower back pain. We're also going to talk a little bit about pain in our hits. Okay. We got got some headache. That's a big deal. We got some head pain too, sir. All right, (laughs) stick around. Medicare Connect Radio is sponsored by Millennium Physician Group. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Medicare Connect Radio, sponsored by Millennium Physician Group. I'm Michelle McCormick. Every week, we're talking about healthcare issues that are important to you, whether you're 65 or older, approaching 65, or maybe you're just making healthcare decisions for a loved one in their golden years. We're inviting providers and experts to share insights to help you take control of your healthcare decisions. Well, getting older comes with a lot of aches and pains, and we have been talking with Dr. Barrick Berlioz from Riverside Pain Physicians. Um, we just had a great segment about lower back pain and the causes, right, doctor? Yes. So let's um, let's talk about some of the treatments because uh, there's a wide range of treatments. I mean, you suggested physical therapy as the first stop. Absolutely. So um, in general, there are a couple of different options or several different options that are used to treat low back pain. You always want to start conservatively. And what I mean by that is basic things like physical therapy, over-the-counter medicines, working with your primary care physician to get the, um, uh, I guess, uh, more serious ailments ruled mm-hmm. out. Then the next step would be non-opioid medicines. There's a big problem in our country with the overuse and overprescription of opioid medications, and these all have negative side effects. So what do I mean by non-opioid medicines? If you have something like a sciatica, gabapentin's an option. If you have associated muscle spasms, then things like robaxin can be considered. But we want to optimize those medicines prior to moving on to the heavy guns. Mm-hmm. And then is that like a, is there a, a length of time? that you give those and then if it's not really working do you reevaluate absolutely that's exactly what we think and what I think when I see my patients and also another thing that uh, I consider is how long has the pain been going mm-hmm. for my patients it's usually years that this has been present and they have tried a lot of these basic medications these are medicines that your primary care physician will use and a lot of the times when these patients get referred to me they've exhausted their mm-hmm. options and that's when we talk about some other things that are involved in my specialty okay all right let's let's dive into that then okay so let's say You've been dealing with this back pain for a long time. It's taking a toll on you. It's taking a toll on your life. You've exhausted your options, physical therapy. There are two more options in sort of the the broad range or the spectrum of treatment availabilities. The next step would be interventional pain management and finally surgery. Mm -hmm. Surgery should be seen as a last resort to deal with your pain. Okay, so does... Some people will talk about a cortisone shot. Does that fall into this pain management? Absolutely. So we use steroids or cortisone shots, epidurals in the neck, in the mid-back, and the low-back. And the idea, and there's a good amount of evidence uh, supporting this, is to use the steroids in the epidural space to sort of lower the inflammation and calm down what's causing the back pain. Let's say somebody has a herniated disc that's causing them to have sciatica, for example. We can inject some steroids under a local anesthetic or a sedative and place steroids in in the back to calm down some of that inflammatory response that's associated with the disc. Mm -hmm. And then what? After that, (laughs) you should expect four to five months of relief. It isn't a permanent solution, although there are a rare subset of patients that they get one shot 
and their pain's gone. Um, the idea behind this is uh, essentially controlling your pain with non-surgical options because it's a good alternative to surgery. Once you have back surgery, that's it. And it's usually a permanent issue. And 50% of the patients that have back surgery don't get relief from the initial problem. So mm. it's something to strongly consider. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I've, I've known people who've had back surgery for whatever reason. Um, it sounds, it sounds super painful. It sounds uh, like a lot of recovery time and, and physical therapy to get back to it. But, you know, rods and, and everything. Yes. I mean, what, if, if surgeries are final, <laughs> you know, at the end point, how do we recover and move forward? So that's where we come in. Well, there's a whole, you know, as, as an anesthesiologist, I've taken care of a lot of these patients recovering from back surgery. And um, there's a whole subset of uh, practices that your anesthesiologist and your surgeon will do to help you. But what you can do at home is participate aggressively in physical therapy, do your very, very best to avoid narcotic medications at all costs. And one thing that's unique to my practice and my colleague, Dr. Limbill, as far as um, the things we've been talking about, we offer spinal cord stimulation therapy and there's a hope for patients who have had surgery without resolution of their pain. We can offer this and this is a temporary solution when all your other options have failed. Yeah. What, what is that? Sounds state of the art. Sounds okay. like the next step in uh, recovery. You know, it's it's it traditionally has been the next step in recovery, but there's some data that's pointing towards the fact that you can actually use this, a spinal cord stimulator, as an option prior to surgery. So very simply, spinal cord stimulation is a minimally invasive, about half-hour procedure where essentially you perform an epidural in the operating room under general anesthesia and you have some leads that are threaded up into the epidural space and these leads fire electrical signals that can calm down the pain that you're experiencing. Wow, that does sound like something we all need to know about. Yes, yeah, so it's a big deal. And you know, uh, I would definitely ask your doctor about spinal cord stimulation if you're considering having surgery and see if it's appropriate for mm -hmm. sure. And then what about getting back to right, like normal, normal activities? You know, and, and lower back pain, something that we just are going to have anyway. Yeah. So low back pain is something that's going to be present. As far as getting back to normal, as I mentioned, hydration, physical therapy, avoiding narcotics, really taking the rehabilitation process seriously are all huge components. And let's say you've seen your primary, you've seen a chronic pain physician, you've had surgery. There are always options as minimally invasive procedures become more popular um, that can aid in recovery. Mm -hmm. All right. So you also specialize in uh, head pain. And yes. gosh knows we have a lot of that lately, but, um, but I get, um, mm -hmm. migraines, mm -hmm. my daughters get migraines. Mm -hmm. It just seems like something we get, maybe it's the estrogen, maybe it's mm -hmm. mine was, is more optical, mm -hmm. um, or ocular, I think is what they call it. But, mm -hmm. you know, talk to us about, about how you see that in your clinic. So, um, Headaches are a very common but severely undermanaged and undertreated problem in the United States. There are a wide 
variety of things that can cause headaches and facial pain. As an example, arthritis in your neck or your cervical spine can actually be the root of mm. headaches you're experiencing, and that's called cervicogenic headache. So the point is, it's really, really important to find somebody who really knows what they're talking about when uh, experiencing these kind of headaches and you're not getting relief. Well, and I think you have a really good point there. Um, our necks bear a lot of weight. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and, our, and then, you know, I, I just see more and more, we're, we're hunched over our computers more and more. iPhones, tablets, yeah. computers. Are you seeing that more and more? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the more you stare at a computer, it, that can cause headaches in and of itself, just the lights. And it's really, really important to move around and sort of stand up if you're at work and you're sitting down all day or at home. Really uh, think about doing these things and little things like lifestyle changes can make a big difference. What kind of management should we look at for our head pain or do we need to determine what's causing it first? So that's a great question. Uh, kind of like what we've been speaking about before, medicines aren't options, but it's really, really important to go to a headache specialist like a neurologist or a chronic uh, pain physician and figure out the underlying cause. There are really rare disorders like something called trigeminal neuralgia. It's basically nerve damage to the face that causes really, really bad headaches. There are interventional options for that as well, like nerve blocks. And the point is just keep your options and your mind open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, headaches are, are, are too much sometimes. Yes. I, I noticed mine the other day was just pounding and I was like, oh, it's rainy outside. You know, <laughs> just just generic pressure That's that true. we feel from the weather will cause headaches. And my my go-to is always, I'm oh, just going to go take some Advil or Motrin or, you know, something yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, that's, a, that's a valid point. All right. Well, Dr. Barrick Berlioz from Riverside Pain Physicians is our guest today. And when we come back, we're going to kind of summarize a lot of what we've talked about. Um, we talked about types of pain, lower back pain. We've talked about headaches. We're going to go into a little bit more with him. So you're going to want to stick around. Medicare Connect Radio is sponsored by Millennium Physician Group. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Medicare Connect Radio, sponsored by Millennium Physician Group. I'm Michelle McCormick. Every week, we're talking about healthcare issues that are important to you, whether you're 65 or older, maybe approaching 65, or just making healthcare decisions for a loved one in their golden years. We invite providers and experts to share insights to help you take control of your healthcare decisions. Well, we have really been talking about how, as we age, a lot of aches and pains come along with that, and we have been speaking with Dr. Barrick Berlioz from Riverside Pain Physicians. Doctor, thank you for being here. We My spent pleasure. a lot of time talking about um, what is pain, you know, if we want to go back to that. But I think something that really is a hot topic right now is slips and falls. Um, a few weeks ago was fall prevention week. Um, I spoke with, with some occupational therapists about things we can do around our houses and, and in our lives to make falls less. But regardless, falls are going to happen. Absolutely. And they're incredibly common. As we age, you get more common. The incidence of fall increases. So the main thing you want to do, obviously call for help, call for emergency services or a family member. Sometimes this is difficult. And essentially what you want to rule out is a fracture. 
as we as it pertains to the spine, there's something called a vertebral compression fracture. And as we age, osteoporosis increases our risk of developing these compression fractures. And there are minimally invasive uh, uh, solutions that I offer for this called kyphoplasty and vertebroplasty. All right. Now you got to go into those. <clears throat> okay. Tell us so, what they are. So these are fancy uh, <laughs> words to describe a <laughs> I'm procedure. I'm not going to repeat them, so. <laughs> uh, fancy words to describe procedure that essentially involves numbing the back up, injecting cement that fuses the fractured bone. It sounds scarier than the procedure actually is. The idea behind this is if the vertebral compression fracture is causing you a lot of pain and you've tried different things like physical therapy, narcotic medications, which as we know have their side effects, this is an availability for you to consider. Um, one important thing to keep in mind is that there is a window period in which you can perform this kyphoplasty. So roughly two or three months, anything after that, the bone is going to fuse together and that may lead to chronic pain. So it's really, really important to get some imaging done after a fall. Yeah. And that's so scary. My grandmother, she's 96 and I swear she's made of steel because <laughs> she's had her falls and her slips and she literally bounces back up. Wow. I, I mean, I think it's the carpet that she falls <laughs> on in her room, but, but seriously, it's very scary because yeah. hips... Um, yes. I mean, hips and elbows and arms, you hear about, you know, our, our older adult population really suffering from those falls. Absolutely. And it's a big problem and a big deal. And as we said, the main thing to do is get an image done, get some sort of CT scan or an MRI or even an X-ray and just make sure you address these issues early. Don't try to push through the pain. Don't try to fight through it. Really get it worked up because there are options that uh, are available to you earlier than later. Yeah, so the minimally invasive, is this the future of, of your practice? Minimally invasive is the future, I definitely think so. Um, not only in pain management, but in general, in neuro, in cardiac care, there's less and less need for open heart surgery. The benefits of minimally invasive procedures involve minimal incisions, less trauma to the body, faster recovery time, less pain after your procedures, and the list goes on and on and on. So I would certainly talk to your doctor about what minimally invasive options you have available to you. Yeah, are you able to do these in clinic? Absolutely. So there are certain procedures like this kyphoplasty that we spoke about or the cement procedure for the uh, vertebral compression fractures that can be done in the outpatient setting. Many times you get discharged home immediately, go home the same day, and these minimally invasive procedures are generally on an outpatient basis. Yeah. And... Um you know, it's awesome that we're able to do this. And you guys, Riverside Pain Physicians, how many clinics do you have in, in our region? So we have three clinics here in Jacksonville and two surgery centers. Yep. Okay. And you can find all that information at RiversidePainPhysicians.com. That's correct. What other procedures do you do in office? 
So in office, we do epidural procedures, we do uh, radio frequency ablations, or basically burning of the nerves that can cause your back pain or neck pain or even headache pain. Um, we offer a variety of procedures, including kyphoplasties to fix the vertebral compression fractures, spinal cord stimulation, and a wide range of minimally invasive options. We are looking for, to take care of patients who suffer from all sorts of problems that lead to chronic pain, cancer pain, trauma, falls, accidents, things of that yeah. nature, accidents, exactly. Yeah. So we want to see everybody. Well, good, good. And is there anything else, Dr. Berlioz, that you want to make sure our listeners leave with today? Take care, take care of yourself. Focus on preventing disease drinking lots of water, lifestyle modifications, exercise, strengthening your back, and hopefully avoiding the need to see me in the future. <laughs> well, come on, we want you to fix our, our pain and then send us on our way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Berlioz from Riverside Pain Physicians. Their contact information is 904-389-1010 and riversidepainphysicians.com. So thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. This was a blast. Yeah. I, you're, you're, you're a natural. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> The conversation will continue next time on Medicare Connect Radio. Live your best life with Millennium Medicare Connect. Just go to yourmedicareconnect.com or Millennium Physician to find a primary care provider near you. In good health, I'm Michelle McCormick. Have a great day.